When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is Cameron Bell. I'm stepping in for David Edgar this week on flagship duties as David is otherwise occupied. However, I have been able to ring in two of my favourite ever people in the world. I would use the words generational and sensational uh, regarding my two guests here. First of all, Mr Alan Bradley. So basically, I'm not sensational, I'm just generational, yeah. (laughs) I like to to lend a bit of both to both and joining him is... Our young pup, Ross Hutton. Ross, thank you for joining us on this week's flagship. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, mate. Thank you. Boys, let's uh, let's jump straight into it because we've got a wee bit to kind of unpack uh, with all things Rangers as per usual. Um, First of all, a huge congratulations to Alan McGregor. Alan uh, reached his 500th appearance um, for the Rangers first team. Uh, Ross, a a tremendous achievement and... um, I think that we will have an endless debate as to whether or not Al McGregor could be considered Rangers' greatest ever goalkeeper. And when you consider some of the company, uh, that is not too shabby whatsoever. Oh, it's no mean feat to be in that conversation at all, is it? Um, it's funny, actually, you mentioned the word generational earlier on, Cammy, because this is a bit of a generational debate and conversation, isn't it? I think if you're of my generation and Alan McGregor is the only one of the, the kind of people you'd have in that conversation that you have already watched, then you're going to say Alan McGregor. I would say Alan McGregor is the greatest ever Rangers goalkeeper. People older than me, gents like yourself, no offence meant by that, of course, you'd probably <laughs> be inclined to say say Andy Gorham or maybe Chris Wood or someone like that. I think for me, either way, no matter what it is, if you're a Gorham guy or you're an Al McGregor girl, it does not matter because what we have here and what we have in our hands is one of, if not the all-great 
time Rangers players, never mind just goalkeepers. The service that Al McGregor has given to Rangers over two spells has been nothing short of sensational. And I think for me, longevity is the massive part of that argument. He was making fantastic title winning saves when I was a kid going to Ibrooks, and now I'm here in my early and mid twenties. He's making saves that have taken us to, to European finals, for example. So the longevity that he has given to Rangers across his two spells has been absolutely phenomenal. And listen, anything we say about 2012 is conjecture, but if you think about what could have been with Al McGregor and Rangers, it just makes the 500 appearances even more impressive for me because we could have been talking about the all-time record Rangers appearance holder, but here we are talking about one of the all-time great Rangers players, and I think that's testament himself to the company that Al McGregor keeps. Yeah, Alan, I mean, don't get me wrong, um, I was uh, excited like a wee boy at Christmas when Cammy Bell signed for Rangers, and I thought, <laughs> here we go, this is this is his chance to to take over from Gorham and, and McGregor and slot right in at number one. That didn't happen. Um, and I also, you know, Ross is completely right. I mean, he did miss out Steve Simonson in there, who, again, another Rangers great. But all joking aside, uh, slightly older than Ross and I, and, and your experience within seeing Rangers great goalkeepers stretches back even further, um, including a certain Durban Lighthouse as well. But there can be zero doubt in terms of how important Alan McGregor has, has, has played in a number of trophies. Ross mentioned the European finals, etc. Um, he, he really has been a, a fabulous servant to Rangers. Yeah, I think he's absolutely been, you know, he has, he's been magnificent, as you say, absolutely great servant. Obviously, I'm sitting looking at my Jerry Dawson, my Peter McCloy, my Stuart Kennedy posters, but no, I'm prepared to put Alan McGregor up there. Uh, I think the first, obviously, the first term he was with us, it was more around probably coming to those kind of European ones and some of the great saves in the old firm one. But I think actually coming back in his second stage in itself, Cammy, for me, that's kind of put him right up there. I mean, some of his performances have been phenomenal, but I think his attitude and everything as well has been a biggie, you know, some in terms of the making, you know, he's always moaning at this one, that, but and all the stuff that you read about him as well, just the ultimate professional in terms of he's in there early at training, he's always going through his routine. So uh, just a great, uh, you know, a great attitude as well. So now w- without a doubt, he's definitely up there as one of the greatest Rangers goalkeepers, you know, of all time, yeah. Well, it's funny you mention that, Alan, because uh, a friend of mine had had put up a post on Facebook of um, it's like a side by side. Obviously, trying to be within the same kind of goal mouth of McGregor making his debut, uh, you know, twenty odd year ago, and a picture from the Dundee United game. And in the picture of his debut, quite calm, quite all right, you know, not much happening, pretty stoic in terms of his his, his stance. And uh, the the picture from from the Dundee United game was him screaming and pointing at somebody and I did laugh because I'm like it's one of the things that we know Griggsy for really well and um, all I really want and, and I think you know I think I can speak for the three of us I dare say we'll all be going to his testimonial against Newcastle in the summer um, all I want is just a series of, of Alan McGregor interviews because he's he's great value <laughs> uh, McGregor yeah. when he comes across in these Alan I love the you know it's just like I just put my hands out and I stopped it you know it's as if that's it and you're like happy really days. that was it happy I th- days yeah I think David as well mentioned in the closed door stuff as well it really jumped out then didn't it it was like even at a corner some of the stuff that Alan McGregor was well, let's just say he was directing his defence as to what to do was quite colourful eh yeah absolutely absolutely well listen as I say congratulations to Griggsy from all of us here at Heartland Ross let's jump into Saturday's game. 
Um, I'm going to be a, a slightly arrogant here when I say this, but a pretty routine win against what we could all only hope for is a soon-to-be-relegated Dundee United side. Um, Ross, I was quite surprised by just how defensive Dundee United came out in this. Now, you know, their league position speaks for itself. I think there's a reason as to why they're down there. I don't think Jim Goodwin's a good manager. But even I thought, okay, Stephen Fletcher's definitely an outlet. We're going to probably have to watch for this. We went out, in my opinion, with a, a pretty creative team. And I thought, well, you know, it might be a bit cagey to begin with. I don't think we started brightly per se, but I did not expect Dundee United, Ross, to sit in as much as they did. They practically just played a four, well, a five-four-one with Fletcher pretty much standing up um, in, in, in the halfway line himself for the vast majority of the first half, at least. Uh, I don't know if I was as surprised at that. They were coming into off the back of a run of games where they'd went nine without a win. Uh, the game before that was that scintillating, a generational 3-0 win over Sterling Uni in the Scottish Cup. So, you know, I mean, we're not talking about a team that were absolutely flying here, Cammy, and you're right. With all due disrespect to Dundee United, we hope they're not stinking out the league next season the way they are this season. So, I, th- I guess from their point of view, they've become tiebreaks thinking if they can nick a point, that's always a dream for a lot of these sides, and they'll have done their job tremendously. But the other side of that is, they'll also be thinking if they can go and not get absolutely hammered and not you know, do their goal dipping to a large degree of harm, then that's also a bit of a result for them as well. And I think if you're a Rangers team going up against that, and we'll talk about our own level of performance as well, that is an incredibly different thing to, to play against, against a side who are quite happy to lose 2-0 almost, because that doesn't really do them an awful lot of harm in their league position. So that's a challenge in itself. Against that, I thought we performed pretty well throughout all of it and you're right that word routine is something I'm not going to complain at too much um, there's elements of the performance we would like to see better but with this current crop of players I feel as though we're going over old ground now that I don't think it's going to be an awful lot better I think what this group of players has shown is that they can win every week that they do have consistent form in them and they can do the biz and take out the bins so to speak but they maybe don't have that that upper echelon of performance in them where they can go and turn a, a 2-0 routine win into a 4 or 5 goal hammering and that's probably the next steps I'd want to be able to take you know see Rangers as a club take will that happen with this group of players probably not but given where we were in the first half of the season I'm not going to sit here and complain too much about a routine 2-0 win on a Saturday No listen I think that's totally fair uh, and as I say you know we have spoken a lot about where we've probably made hard work for ourselves. We've spoken before under Michael Beale about, you know, we've we've made that a lot harder when we concede the first goal and um, and it's not been great. Alan, I think, you know, for me, it, it did probably feel like, you know, that United were sitting in quite a bit. We had to work out how to be able to try and break them down. Um and and through some I, I think some some consistent work, I think is fair. We might have lacked a wee bit of kind of spark and creativity. But that is until Connor Goldston played in a lovely ball um, into Todd Cantwell and probably, you know, just one of the deftest touches that you'll see into Malik Tillman, who's on rushing. He takes a touch to control, a touch to slot by the goalkeeper. Um, it was something that we've been looking for and something that, you know, certainly under the previous management team, that, you know, it was the horseshoe, it was the side to side, you know, and we were trying a bit of that to be able to try and break it down. But being able to see a goal played through the middle of the park and seeing a packed box unlocked by just some really quick, creative, fast-thinking play, um, inject it into my veins, as the as the young kids say nowadays. No, you're right. And I think Todd Cantwell, we've seen in a few of the games, I mean, he's got that wee, completely something different, Cammy, to open it up. 
And as you say, the way great ball, ball through to him, but the way he kind of spun and just kind of flicked that one through, nah, it was really good. And that opened up. I thought Malik Tillman's touch as well was really good, the way he put it away. At times it becomes a wee bit frustrating, as you know, because it's like, are we overplaying? You know, because it's like somebody shooting, I'll give it to my mate and I'll do a, a wee flick and it falls down. But to be honest with you now, Cammy, I'm becoming, geez, oh, you better not write this one down, but I'm becoming far more patient now. We get to the games, as Ross said, you kind of know sort of how these teams are going to set up, obviously United being in that position. But I, I'm not even getting that frustrated now, and I'm not worried. You know, it's like a we must get the first, we must. Because in a way, as you say, we've got more now. We're getting all of this possession now. We're putting it side to side. But there is far more of the playing the ball in, I also thought that on Saturday too, I thought Morelis, although he's obviously not back to anything, might never be, but I thought his link-up again coming in, he was you know, showing, playing balls, bringing other people in. I thought that helped too. So, no, great, great goal and to absolutely, totally comfortable. I think Dundee United, well, is a who cares really what happens, but when you think of going back, some of the Dundee United teams of the past and the way they've been able to counter-attack and they've been really threatening, this is probably the weakest one I've seen, Cammy. to be honest with you, in decades. Alan, actually, yeah, I think you make a great, really, really great, good point there. Sorry, Cammy. I was going to say, Alan makes a really good point there because that trust in the team to get the first goal and the patience that comes with having that trust is absolutely massive. And we've all seen it when we've been sitting at Ibrooks before and the place is getting, if not toxic, but a wee bit itchy because we've not scored within the first 20 minutes or, or killed a team off within that time. But I think because of the run that we are now on under Michael Beale, the players have almost built up that trust again in the fans that even if the goal doesn't come in the first 5, 10, 15 minutes, it will come. And I think when you have players in that side like Cantwell, like Tillman, players who can make things happen, you're going to naturally be more relaxed almost in the thought that that goal is going to come. And you're right about the passing as well. It's the one thing that we do really, really badly a lot of the time is we have that horseshoe passing routine that we're still trying to stamp out of this side. But that quick, incisive passing just to break down a low block is something that is really, really going to benefit us. And if we have players in that team going forward, you think of Connor Golton, who will be there next season, Todd Cantwell, who will be there next season, and Malik Tillman, who by all accounts wants to be there next season. That's really exciting going forward, seeing how those relationships, particularly between Cantwell and Tillman, who I think is quite obvious now, get on incredibly well with each other. If we can grow that, if we can harness that going forward, then that's going to be a real, real key to our success next season. Obviously, this season is what it is, and we still have things to play for. We'll talk about one later on, I'm sure, Cammy. But in the long-term vision of what we want Rangers to be, it's those wee intricate relationships between the side that are going to be all the, that could make all the difference going forward. Well, Ross, I'll stick with you on that at the moment then, because um, I think, you know, it, it sets us up nicely for the conversation about Malik Tillman. The manager was asked after the game about the likelihood of, of, of Tillman looking to be able to try and stay. He mentioned a lot about his relationship with him that it's very positive. He has good relationships throughout the club, the team, etc. I think in particular, I think, you know, with Todd Cantwell. I think um, it, it's gearing up, I think, for us to be able to enter sincere negotiations with Munich. Now, you know, Bayern Munich have obviously not long just got a new manager in and he may have a different design on Malik Tillman and may look to be able to try and bring him back. We don't know. He might say surplus the requirements. We genuinely have no idea. But looking at it as it stands now, I don't think that you're going to get too many Rangers fans who would argue against us being able to spend probably a decent amount of money on him as an investment. And there's two reasons for that. The first thing is, for the points that you've just mentioned, because 
I, I, I struggle at times to criticise the horseshoe play because it's deliberately how 10 out of our 11 opponents domestically are always going to set up at Ibrox. Um, and it'll feel a bit foolhardy if, you know, unless you're in desperate situations, as I mentioned about before with Dundee United, having to be able to try and come out to try and get something out of the game because they're entering, you know, relegation territory, then it's going to feel a lot like it will have to go side by side for us to be able to break it down. We've struggled with that in the past. We've struggled with that very recently. I look towards, you know, Livingston in the one-all game at Ibrox, for example, where I think we put in just shy of 4,000 crosses. But we need someone to be able to use that link up to be able to to, to, to play it through the middle. But the other thing with Tillman is as well is an investment. And I look at that as if he comes in as successful, can do it on a European stage, can do it in old firm games. And there is a question around that, by the way. So let's be fair um, in terms of our analysis. It's it's it, For me, it seems like, uh, you know, a, a really obvious and, 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 and certain signing that's going to do nothing but improve us going into next season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so there's kind of two things, like you said, there with Malik Tillman. The first one is current output, and the second thing is potential. So if you take it on current output, that was about 12 goals for the season. As of the end of uh, Saturday afternoon there, I believe that's more than Joe Rebo has ever given us in a single season. They actually like more than Ryan Kennett has given us in a single season as well. So the output is pretty much beyond question at this point. And this is us just at the start of April, so there's still a fair bit of games to still be played, we can go and surpass that in, a, in an even greater and more impressive fashion. The other thing you said there is potential, obviously, and this is the actual massive upside for me as well, because whenever we talk about buying young players into Rangers, what we're effectively talking about here is bringing short-term success and engaging in long-term value. So in short-term success, you want output from Alec Tillman, you want him to stay here for a couple of years and win trophies with Rangers, because if he's successful, we are more than likely going to be successful with him, and that's immediately just exciting as a fan's point of view. But from a long-term value proposition, he is a player that English clubs will be looking to snap up should he go and hit the heights that I think we all believe that he can hit. We talk about big money transfers, we talk about players in the squad that we could potentially flip for, for massive fees into this open market that we have down south and on our doorstep. Malik Tillman is the one who comes to mind there. So if we've been able to sell him on the long-term vision of Rangers, and don't get me wrong, I think Michael Beale has helped in that, and no small feat. I think the the relationships and the dynamics that he has built up within the club with his teammates, I mentioned Todd Cantwell there, everyone else around the club, the fans as well, the relationship he has with them, it's clear that he loves the adulation that he so richly deserves. All those little things build up to us signing a player of real, real promise, not just in the short term, but in the long term as well. Like I said, the output that he's had is, is inarguable, but you are right to mention there's there's maybe still question marks there. But against that, what I'd say is the young lad's 20 years old, man. You know, if you want a finished article at that age, I can interest you in Manchester City and Real Madrid. What we have here is, is still a talent. He's not the finished article yet, but he's a talent. And I think for the kind of talent that we are going to get in that age bracket at that price point that we have uh, supposedly agreed with Bayern Munich, you're not getting better than that. So we would be mental mental not to do anything and everything within our gift to make this deal happen in the future because if we can then I think he is going to be a key part of our success going forward as well you've seen the contribution he can make to what has been this season a largely unsuccessful Rangers side think what he can do with better players around him and a more successful Rangers side Alan I want to I want to jump back to the game and, and something that Ross mentioned earlier on because um, you know, we're uh, about 10 minutes uh, into the second half as, as, as Tillman scores a second goal. Again, 
Uh, a fantastic bit of play ball in from Tavernier. A good touch by, by Kent, who I say a good touch if he was meaning it for a pass. If he was meaning it to set himself up, then it was a poor touch. But, you know, let's not split hairs at the moment. Um, Tillman, with two men in front of him, finds composure. He is able to slot it down past. There's maybe a question as to whether or not United keeper could have done a little bit better. But irrespective of that, he's still been able to to get the shot away. The game is done and dusted. I don't think it was ever in doubt, even prior to kick-off, if I'm being honest with you. But going 2-0 up more or less finishes it. Now, something that I want to talk about is something that Ross had mentioned there regarding um, our composure in the stands, regarding... You know, we're, we're comfortable that goals will come. We don't panic, etc., etc. And, and I think that's all true. I totally agree with that. There is something to be said, however, that we would like to to get a few more goals under our belts. And now we've got one eye, obviously, on Saturday's Old Firm game. We wanted to be able to try and do that. It felt a bit to me like Alfredo Morelos was doing everything but scoring goals because a lot of the players, again, it's just my opinion, we're looking to try and get the ball to Morelos. Maybe they're just trying to get a goal under his belt before the, the, the old firm game. I don't know. But we were creating some chances where well, that was being able to try and find space in the box or in the in the closing stages of the game. Once we had made the subs and we had obviously um, you know, brought us a Carl on, but that's the Scott Wright had come on, Scott Arfield had come on with us. We were creating chances going forward. We were wasteful, in my opinion, in terms of just that second to last or last ball to be able to then get some of these chances. There's something to be said here, I think, about us, irrespective if the game is done and the contest is over, trying to be more clinical and ruthless in terms of creating and finishing chances against teams. Or am I just wishing for too much? No, I, I think you're right, Cammy. I mean, I think there's, there's two things there. One of it's around the actual quality of the players that we have as well. So in, in, in some respect, it's around the, as you say, you see it as maybe three against three, four against three and so on. And the lack of, or just the lack of quality, either putting the, the ball too far behind, too far in front, not releasing it at the right time. So there's that, there's that side of it and that will obviously improve. I think the thing you're alluding to too is, and I think David mentioned it, it's this kind of attitudinal thing as well. I don't know. There's like a, well, that's us got two now. That's fine. Oh, well, we missed a ha. We laugh. Maybe next time we really need that. We need to no two is no good enough now. You know we need three, we need four, and and how many times have we seen Rangers when we are doing no bad? You know, but it's quite comfy, just easing off a wee bit, and I think that is quite frustrating. You know, so we we definitely need to. We should be, and I would imagine going way back when we we were dominating things, it did get to the stage where you maybe score two or three goals at the end. So that that's frustrating. Just jumping back to the Malik Tillman one again, it was the as you say, it was the, the quick feet as well. Uh, Ross talks about Joe Aribo. Tillman's got that in spades as well, just a quick feet for a big guy moving it one way or t'other. The other thing I like about him too is this ability to then go by people on the wing and then cut back and so on. So probably covered a, a number of things there, but no, I th- that's frustrating. This year we'll just see how things go. It's probably too late now. But the thing is, Cammy, next year it could be down to goal difference and so on, and that's where we really need to we need to start getting these kind of four nils and really taking our chances far more. Yeah. Well, you know, Ross Allen makes a good point there about being able to try and close that gap. I think that's an absolute minimum requirement for next season for Michael Beale. And if we are getting to the stage where goal difference is going to matter, now don't get me wrong. As I say, I think um, you know it, it's a, it's it, it's 
it feels like a bit of a slow death going through the end of this season and it's just kind of mm, starting to go yeah. through the process now until we can finish it. But Ross, one thing that Alan mentions there is being able to get us back to a scenario where goal difference is going to come into it. I, I, I think that's a totally valid point and I totally agree with it. But I think the thing that I am looking for in terms of where that's at is the, the, the instills confidence within players. If you've got an opportunity, so I look at guys like Scott Wright. So I was, I was fairly surprised to see Scott Wright involved. Um, on, on, on Saturday, I was extremely surprised to see Rabbi Matondo on the bench as well, but we are where we are. Been able to get these guys game time and hopefully getting goals in them as well just presents you with a couple of options so that if you've got a regular first-team starter and they then start to have a dip in form, you've got someone else who can come into that. And see if nothing else, Ross, it also gives us a little bit of swagger and a little bit of instilling more fear into teams before a ball is even kicked. And as much as I hate to say it, Celtic have that in abundance just now. They really do have it in spades. The, the, the challenge that we have to get to is being able to, to be as relentless with them, to quote Steven Gerrard, to, to, to go out there and absolutely put teams to bed without it even being considered a contest in the first instance. Yeah, um, there's a couple of things there. So I think the first one, and it's possibly churlish of me to say, given some of the recent results we've had against Celtic, but the first thing for me is my biggest complaint, and a lot of other fans' biggest complaint with Rangers recently, is we have not been consistent against the other teams in the league. Because, you know, the league is a lot longer and more uh, flourishing than just four old firms in a season. And listen, we've been beaten by Celtic once in the league so far at the time of recording, yet we are nine points behind. That is not the reason that we are... uh, don't want to say it, but effectively all but out of any kind of title race. That's not the reason why we're saying that we're bored and kind of going through the motions before the end of the season. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's the draws at home to Livingston. It's the draws away at St Mirren. And it's results like that that over the course of a season, we have been getting more of and Celtic haven't. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that Celtic have been consistent and you need to hold your hands up there and say, fair enough. And what we are getting to under a point with, with Michael Beale is, a, is we are matching that consistency. At least, what is it, 43 out of 45 available points in the league? Well, obviously the two drop points being uh, that draw at home to Celtic. And the problem is, obviously for us, is we've had that remarkable level of consistency and we've not moved the dial a bit, but there's only so much we can do within our agency at the moment. What you are right in saying is what we want to be in a position to do is turn those routine 2 nil home wins into absolute thumpings, those four or five statement nil wins. And partly because of that is you want to have teams beaten in the tunnel. If you think back to the 55 season, for example, there was plenty of teams that came to Ibrooks during that side that they just they weren't going to get a result that day. They knew they weren't going to get a result that day. And that comes from just being monsters on the pitch being absolutely relentless from the first whistle to the last. Now, you're always going to have days like Saturday where you maybe just don't get the third goal, but it's still routine and comfortable. But routine and comfortable should be the base level, not the top level, which we are currently seeing. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier on, that I just don't believe this current crop of players have it in them just to take that next step and really, really put the foot down. Because you're right, there were some good chances created after we scored that second, but we were entirely profligate with them. So we are a wasteful, wasteful side. But going forward into next season, what I would want to see is a Rangers side that does get the second and then goes and gets the third, the fourth and the fifth and really puts the foot down on these teams because if we are in a position now where the old firm are pulling away from the rest, it really does look like that in the current state of Scottish football. Goal difference does become more remarkably important if we need to be consistent like we are. And obviously those old firms become important as well. But get yourself into the position first where the old firms are deciders, which they currently aren't. 
uh, given the way that this league season has panned out. And the way to do that is to be relentless and consistent against the other sides in the league. Alan, you know, I remember Walter Smith teams in the 90s. And even when we conceded goals and uh, we went behind, it was still a question of, I don't know if we'll win 3-1, 4-1 or 5-1 here. Um, and there is that kind, of, there is that kind of mental positioning that can instill into other teams that gives them that degree of fear, that that trepidation, or wanting to be able to try and do it. And I think that that's where the manager said a few times already, he's concerned about the lack of goals. And everybody is going to say, no matter what mm-hmm. team you're in in football, right, you're always going to say the win is the most important thing. Of course it is. We understand that. But there is a huge advantage, not just to the goal difference, but where it exudes out of the out of the team in the club, where exactly as Ross says there, you know that you're going to have a, a tough game against a team that's that's free scoring. It needs to be something that I think for, for us, we need to cut down on that wastefulness. And we just fundamentally need to probably be a wee bit more aggressive within that final third of ensuring that we uh, we, we finish off chances. No, you're, you're right. And I remember many years, Cammy, we'd all be working at different places and you would probably see guys next to you in the stands. Where were you? So the game would start and then it'd be, where were you this week? I was down in London. Oh, I was such and such, blah, blah, blah. Something would happen, as you say, potentially, as you say, at that time, maybe lose a goal. And then it's like, oh, hold on just now. We need to focus on it. The Rangers fans would, you know, and then we'd get right back into the game. We would get into it again. We would get a couple of goals ahead, as you say. And then that was it. And then it was a wee bit of chat, but we could do it. But the other one too is, as is, is you say, getting those kind of four fives and those teams thinking, even when they went 1-0, Cammy, it wasn't like a, right, let's just see if we can hold it. They were still thinking, shit, there's 70 minutes to go and so on, because this Rangers machine ultimately is just going to do it. And I think if you can get more of those where you've got the game won earlier on as well, then it does allow you then to do the old, right, I'll put this one on now, I'll, you know, blood this person or, you know, somebody's played a number of games and so on. And like Ross said as well, it just sends that message across Scottish football as well. Shit, the Rangers are doing it again. They're no struggling now, you know, uh, and it, it's going to take time. I don't think at the moment what we've got, we're doing well, without a doubt, since Michael Beale's been there, but that's where we really need to get to. So the next season, and that's where the quality as well, we need to be taking more chances. We need to be far more effective. It's no good having like 21 shots and so on, and then it becomes a, we've won two. You know, we really need to be, have a far better kind of chance to to go ratio and so on, yeah. Well, this brings us on nicely, I think, to when we've been talking about looking at potential chances and and where we've maybe seen a bit of a break in play. And Ross, I think we need to to yet again come back to a conversation about John Lundstrom. Um, I'm struggling with him at the moment because I think the frustration for me is I've seen what he can do and what it has achieved for us, and Seville doesn't happen without John Lundstrom. So, you know, he absolutely does have that credit in the bank. The problem is he is running out of that credit because I just I, I, I feel he's so frustrating at times in terms of almost refusing, as if he's allergic to being able to try and play the ball forward. It's getting passed off to the side. There was one particular incident which I'm, I'm, someone had raised to me, and I, I haven't had a chance to watch a game back yet, but... I do remember it pretty vividly that he passed the ball and there was two guys running off of their markers. I think it was was Kent and Morelos. Again, don't quote me on that. 
and he just stopped and then looked, pivot, <laughs> and then turned, plays the ball back to Ben Davies. And it's just, it's it's so frustrating because part of what we want him to do and part of what we've seen him do is something which happens across the rest of the team, right? So although I'm focused on Lundstrom at the minute, he's not the only person, you know, guilty of this, is taking a risk, being brave and taking a risk. Now, by and large, he is going to be sitting with the ball 20 yards into the opponent's half every home game, okay? So he's got plenty of opportunities in front of him. I get that it's not easy. I get that it's a crowd that he has to be able to try and play into. But I've got a real worry that he's going to start against them at Parkhead and we're just going to see him absolutely rigid within that safety zone that he seems to have just immersed himself into. And listen, he's not the first player. I've seen players get into that place before because they've not played well and they feel like they've regressed so much that they are just terrified to be able to make a mistake. And it's it's so frustrating because there's been times where I think he's been an absolute leader for us in that park. And right now, I just feel like as if he's just so scared to come out of shell. It, it, it's almost as bad as a man down. There was periods on Saturday where Connor Goldson was further forward than him and Lundstrom was marking Stephen Fletcher. It, it, it needs Something needs to happen with him. Yeah, he screams like a guy who's absolutely desperate for the summer to come and just have that time to sort of sit, reassess, recheck where he is actually at because you're right, this constant, constant, you know, playing week in, week out without any real dynamism in his game, it's not working for anybody, it's not working for Rangers, it's not working for Rangers fans, it's certainly not working for John Lundstrom. I don't suspect that he wants to be playing as poorly as what he currently is either. We have found ourselves in a position where we are playing him constantly and he is absolutely shot of confidence because we have seen the kind of football that John Lundstrom can play. He can be quite expansive on the ball when he wants to be. The problem that we currently have is he has no confidence in his game to be able to do that. What do you get at that point? You get this safe, languid passing that you've mentioned, Cammy, but it's either side to side or backwards. And the problem is... And to be honest, we'll speak about Parkhead in a wee minute, but the problem is when you're at home to Dundee United and you do have that complete low block in front of you, it's useless. There's no point in having it there, and that's maybe part of the reason why he was uh, marking Stephen Fletcher to effectively get him out of the road. Because what you don't need in that moment is him knocking over to Tav to knock back to Borna to knock back to Goldson and Davies. What you need is someone like Connor Goldson who will fire a ball into feet for the first goal, which we've already spoken about here. Does John Lundstrom in his current form do that? No, no, he doesn't. And I think when you're talking about Parkhead, listen, a kind of safety first approach to someone in your midfield isn't always the worst thing there. You do need someone who can take a wee bit of calm, compose time on the ball, be able to settle things down. You don't want it to be 100 mile an hour. But in 11 out of the other 12 teams, sorry, 10 of the other 11 teams that you're going to face in this league, you don't need that again. You need dynamism. You need someone who's going to take the ball on the feet and be brave with it, like you say. So will he start at Parkhead next week? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying right now I'd be overly against it. I'd possibly go with something different, but I wouldn't be too shocked to see him in there. I think when you're playing anyone else in the league, though, you need someone who can offer you an awful lot more on the ball because it just isn't working at the minute. Alan, is he, in his, is he in his head? Is that where this is at now? I think so. It feels like that, Cammy. I mean, I watched him at the League Cup final. Is it him and Tillman didn't look fit either. He took a knock early on. But where we were in the south, in the sand upper as well, 
you could see it. And, and Celtic, there was a couple of moves as well, Cammy, where their midfield had just gone right past ours. You know, and we were still trying to get back. I mean, that was like Lundstrom and uh, the likes of Tillman and so on. And that's, yeah, definitely in my head. The only thing is, I think at the start as well, when he wasn't playing before we were going, he's playing with an injury. He's playing with an injury once he gets fit. So something needs to happen, as Ross says. I don't know whether it's get to the summer. I'm not so sure about the the kind of inexperience, but you think of the likes of Raskin, you know, still being able to go in there, you know, kind of win balls and so on, but play the thing forward and so on. But I don't know whether, you know, kind of Parkhead's. My, my, one of my big concerns about Parkhead, again, is there's a lot of them with that whole rabbit in the headlights thingy. We saw it in the League Cup final too. We saw it in previous ones. And you've got the likes of Tav and Borna. Potentially Lundstrom might end up now being like that because of his confidence. But that's my kind of biggest fear as well, that rather than having people get in there and shoving them aside, standing up and so on, you suddenly get this, oh shit, it's all happening a wee bit too quickly for me. Oh, I've seen this movie before. I'm living in it, you know. So I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I take Ross's point as well. At Parkhead, you do. You're going to have to keep it tighter. The likes of a fit Ryan Jack and all that, I think Ryan Jack's ideal for that. You know, he'll mop up, he'll get stuck in. But the, the Lundstrom thing, I think the one you talked about as well, you could actually hear it in the crowd as well. It was like, no. You know, everyone's seeing, move it forward, move it forward. And it's as if the first touch now is, I'll just control it and I'll kind of turn back a wee bit first. We really don't need that. We need to be far more incisive and kind of more positive. Yeah, we do. And, and listen, I mean, I think, you know, talking about Parkhead, and I'll cover this in more detail and, and extra later on in the week, folks, but oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a big challenge, I think, there, Alan, to to overcome, which is that, that trepidation, that fear with them. And as much as I hate to say it, because I know it's not easy, so I don't say so, uh, you know, off the cuff, the only way to do that is to beat them. Oh, and I think that yeah. when we've had that win streak for as long as we have, take the League Cup final out of it, because of course it was a, a damage, but we've lost the League Cup final before and then went back and won at Parkhead, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in, 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 a, in a few weeks' time. And that's not been a problem for us. And a number of those players were involved within that are still here now. The challenge that we have, for me at least, is I don't want to treat Saturday coming as, as a meaningless game because as much as I don't think Celtic would drop six points if we got them back down to nine, because I think, like you say, it seems relatively straightforward for them. And plus, looking the way how the split may go, they're probably going to get an advantage in terms of the home games that they're going to have. All of that to one side. I think that we then need to look at um, using Saturday as a really big opportunity to instill confidence with one eye on the Scottish Cup semi-final. So... For me, it's really, really important to be able to try and go out there and basically put out our best performance, which you should do against Celtic anyway, because I still don't believe there's, there's such a thing as a meaningless game against them. There's always something to be got out of it. But this team in particular need to be able to understand what it feels like to beat them and and and, and crush that fear. We need to stand up to them, Cammy. You know, we should be going with, and God, I can go through Parlane, Johnson, McDonald, flipping all of them. Then you even go into Ian Ferguson's, even Derek Ferguson, we might call, brush them aside. And we need to be going in with that same attitude. We need to be, go there, ah, that's it, get your noise up, just watch us. And my, that only my fear is when you look at some of the body languages, some of them, it's like, oh shit, oh shit, as opposed to, I think even, the, you know, the Ryan Kent, uh, Kent one where he went for Brown and all that, you need this kind of attitude, you need to, 
Celtic haven't actually been playing. I mean, I don't watch much of them, but even pals and all that, so I saw the Celtic one. They're not actually playing that well, but I think it's the attitude thing, and this is where Rangers need to, and that's where maybe hopefully Cantwell, I mean, Raskin maybe when he comes in, but and Tillman as well. I think Tillman, he was brushing people aside, which was good on Saturday, but he needs to use that physicality. The 55 team, like you said, we just done that. You know, it's just a case of get out of my way. You know, we're dominating and, and Rangers need to do that one because there's been too many embarrassing stuff where we've not even laid a glove on them. So go out there, flip and have a right go at them anyway. You know, if we don't get it, fine. But don't go out there like we mice and, do you know what I mean? And actually push them back and let's actually see what they've got, you know. And I think that's the that's the thing we need to bear in mind about Saturday. Obviously, I know you're going to cover it more later on on Extra, Cammy, but they're going to have no help from any fans in there. Now it is proper into the lion's den type stuff. And we have seen John Lundstrom thrive in that kind of cauldron before, but we've also seen him crumble as well. Think back to the League Cup final where he just didn't track Greg Taylor, who was his man. That's a massive reason, a massive point of failure why we conceded that first goal. I think his position next Saturday will very much depend on Raskin's fitness. If Raskin's fit, you play Raskin and Jack. If Raskin's not fit, it will be Lundstrom and Jack. I, I definitely am of the mind that we now have players like Raskin in the side, so if you want to build something build something cohesive going forward into next season, you need to give him the minutes. He has to experience an atmosphere like that. The same for Todd Cantwell, the same to an extent for Malik Tillman. They all need to get a flavour of what that is like. Does that mean it will go away on Saturday? Who knows, right? That's very much down to the players, and I agree. They need to go in there and view it as a massive opportunity to set a marker down for what's probably, in all eventuality, the more important game, inverted commas, at Hamden later on in the month. But for me, if Raskin's fit, you start Raskin over Lundstrom. If not, it probably will be John Lundstrom on Saturday. And Ross, I kind of want to have you on here because you are our uh, resident um, B-team uh, expert uh, alongside our uh, our very good friend James Forrest on our Patreon site. Uh, you were at Ibrox on back-to-back games across Saturday and Sunday and saw the B-team go down uh, 3-1 with three men sent off. I, I want to talk a little bit around where you see maybe some comparables here about the, the, the B-team having to you know, it probably get itself reorganised. I don't know what that will take, but keen to kind of get your thoughts following the, the, the old firm game for the guys who haven't had a chance to listen to your report from Ibrox yesterday. Yeah, um, that was a sore one yesterday for the B team. And the first thing I want to say is I thought the crowd that turned up to Ibrox were absolutely fantastic yesterday. There was a really, really healthy crowd in for it. And that's part of the reason why the academy is keen to do these types of games as well. And indeed, of course, when the, the two respective B teams played at Parkhead earlier on in the season as well, it allows the boys the opportunity to play in front of larger crowds and kind of sample and taste that atmosphere. Last year it worked to great success at Ibrox. We were 1-0 up against the Celtic B side within 14 seconds and it was a, it was a wonderful day but the crowd on on Sunday were absolutely fantastic so credit to that it's a sore one because the manner that the way of the game played out first 42-43 minutes um, before the red card Rangers were absolutely sensational probably one of the performances of the season for the B team up until that point I thought all the things we spoke about that we wanted to see in the first team the B team were showing it in spades quick Mm -hmm. incisive passing Um, Thompson Ashaka who has recently signed a deal with the academy until 2025 was causing the Celtic backline all sorts of problems. Aaron Lyle, who was probably my Rangers man of the match yesterday, got a fantastic, fantastic goal. Was really unlucky not to have a couple more. And then the game completely changed after 
Louis Budanowskis and the Rangers goal was sent off for handling the ball outside of the area. Now, when we spoke to Dave McCallum in the press conference afterwards, he was apoplectic with, with rage about that, said he's seen it back and didn't think that Budanowskis was outside the box. I'll be honest, in real time, I think that it did. Um, but having seen it back, it's probably a tighter call. Anyway, the game completely changed on that red card, whether it was right or wrong or not. In fact, I've actually, I was joking to you yesterday, but maybe not joking, I was saying it seriously. I don't think I've seen a game in a long time that has switched so much on one red card. Obviously, it's a massive moment in any kind of game. But it completely flipped the day on its head. Celtic equalised just before the, the halftime whistle and then came out and scored two very, very quick goals in the second half. We then went down to nine men with Bailey Rice's second yellow card, and then Adam Devine was sent off right at the end. So we ended the game with eight men, so it ended up just being a bit of a car crash towards the end. What that means for the wider B-team campaign from a Lowland League perspective, it probably kills off any hopes that the B-team may have had to finish top of the Lowland League. Uh, Spartans are currently top on 72 points, and Celtic have just overtaken us in the table, so that's obviously damaging from that point of view. I think... What is more concerning for me as we sit here today is I'm always a believer that there should be a healthy conveyor belt of talent coming through the academy. And on that front, I believe that there is. There are really, really talented young players in the academy that I'm incredibly excited about. Um, I think a lot of the players coming through the under-16 and under-18 level are incredibly exciting. And again, if anyone has a chance to watch them, I'm sure they'll agree as well. From a B-team perspective and... Listen, I'm I'm very close to the to kind of covering the B team, so I'm potentially guilty of not seeing the wood for the trees sometimes. But I don't really see anyone in that side, excluding Adam Devine. Yesterday is he is probably more a regular feature in and around the first team squad, but I don't really see anyone else yesterday who I think is ready to take that immediate step up. Now, what does that mean for the long term future? Well, we'll probably get to the summer and we'll need to to reassess that. As an academy, like I say, there are more promising youngsters coming through. But I think it definitely speaks to a point in time now where we need to try and get more out of the out of the academy and the B team. The long-term vision for the B team is something that I wholeheartedly believe in. I think the work that the, the coaches that are doing at the academy is very helpful and they have helped develop players coming through, such as Alex Lowry, such as Devine, such as Bailey Rice, indeed, who made his first team debut away at Livingston. And possibly next season will be a different story, but it was a very, very sore defeat for the B team yesterday. And it has possibly led to some uh, reassessments in the academy. Yeah, it was. It was a sore one. Um, and as I say, hopefully the boys can recover from it if there is going to be some reorganisation in there just to take stock at the end of the season. Then there may be some um, some changes that are made in there that hopefully uh, start to give the B team a more consistent level of success. That will do us this week on Flagship. As I say, I'll be back on uh, Extra with you on Thursday. Um, we mentioned there Rossi's B-team coverage as part of our Patreon site. Um, please go and have a little join. Um, have a look at some of the content that's in there because I can guarantee once you're in there, you will not leave because of the variety that's in there. You can either cover the B-team games, as, as Ross has mentioned in there as well. Alan's excellent show this week in history uh, covers uh, uh, some significant weeks within uh, the Rangers period. Alan, what have you covered across the course of this morning's show? Oh my goodness. Uh, this morning, we actually went back 76 years, Cammy, and picked a League Cup final uh, for 1947 against Aberdeen. We then went to 1999. I think we'll all remember Anton Rogan and a, a good year's victory at Ibrox. And I actually went for one of the not so great seasons, but a nice 3 0 win up at Petodre as well in 2017. So between those three games, Cami, and obviously music from each of those particular years, news, 
movie and so on. And the feedback to date has been really positive. And again, I really appreciate all the, you know, the kind of good comments that we've had. Uh, We'll just keep going. I think that's now six weeks now. And what all that we'll keep doing is just picking three different years, you know, around about a particular date and just see where it takes us. But thoroughly enjoying it, yeah. Brilliant. Was the 1947 final your first game, Alan? (laughs) (laughs) 10th or 11th, I think, by that point. Oh, jeez, I'll tell you. I don't know. Eh? <laughs> uh, we are an equal opportunities employer here at Heart and Hand. Uh, yeah, so as well as that content and uh, obviously all of the match they build up, especially in the in the build up to this weekend's game at Parkhead, you can also get some other uh, content on Heart and Hand. This week, for example, we have just started uh, our Masters pod as we are obviously now in Masters week. Um, and you can hear from all of our golfing experts as well. We even have Andy Fullen on there, who's a, a golf professional, and it's a brilliant show for all you golf enthusiasts as well. Mr. Bradley being one of them, I'm sure. Yeah, and I don't know about excellent golf, but I do a fair bit of walking anyway, Cammy. Yeah, yeah. Walking and <laughs> walking and hitting it with a stick. That's about my sum total knowledge of playing the game of golf as well. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks to the executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers. Thank you to my two guests this week as well, the ever sensational. Mr. Alan Bradley. Thanks, I've really enjoyed it, Cammy. If you could offline just give me Rossi's home address, I'll take that <laughs> discussion on. But thanks, mate. Thanks, yeah. Ross, mate. And, uh, and watching his back for the foreseeable future, Mr. Ross Hutton. <laughs> no, thank you, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers. Hope you've enjoyed listening, folks. Stay safe. As I say, we'll speak to you again in a week. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.